Welcome to the Hatch and Curiosity podcast, where homeschooling families cultivate innovation through curiosity, creativity, and critical thinking. I'm your host, Christina Hatch. You're listening to the second episode of the Defining Education series, Moral Development, the six character traits of a learner. Now, Charlotte Mason is full of a ton of wisdom, but this may be my favorite quote. The question is not, how much does the youth know when he has finished his education? But how much does he care? And about how many orders of things does he care? In fact, how large is the room in which he sets his feet? And therefore, how full is the life before him? Education isn't solely about academics. A true education is the shaping of a child's affections and opening the doors to interests and ideas. What does he think is good or true or beautiful? How many ideas outside his own circles has he been introduced to? Does he look at the world through a lens of curiosity and wonder or indifference? And how does he view the world? Is he proactive in his work? The topic of today's episode is all about the heart of home education, moral development, character building, or instilling values. However you choose to word it, it's about the heart of the child. The key skills of learning give them the tools to furnish the mind. The values direct how those skills are used and through what lens they view the world so that when they grow to love learning, they have a compass of truth by which to navigate the humanities and sciences. Whether they are publicly, privately, or home educated, you need to understand that if humanities are being taught, they're not only being taught academic facts, but are also being taught values. It's impossible to teach history without also teaching bias. At home, we can be aware of what that bias is and help our children navigate through the hard parts of human history, encouraging them to view the world with empathy, and to seek truth. It's important that before you dive into subjects that can really spark a love of learning beyond the basic skills of learning, that they have a foundation of values and a strong moral character upon which to check what they're being taught. If they know truth and have good character, they'll more readily recognize truth, beauty, and justice, as well as lies, evil, and injustice. They can explore what it means to fully be human once they have set their hearts on what is right. Your family should teach what is right based on your values, faith, culture, and history. Today, I'm going to talk more about values that will enhance your child's education. Add to this list what matters most to your family, but start here for a well-rounded education that leads to a life of learning. But what are the key character traits of education? They're moral values that will make or break the learning experience. In addition to the skills of learning, which overlap with character mentioned in the last episode, I would like to suggest the following six character traits to develop in your home. The first is discipline. Okay, this is a big one, right? I actually am really excited about an episode I have planned doing a deep dive into this principle, but the need for discipline in this context is pretty self-evident. In order to do the work of learning, you need to build the habits of discipline that help you stay focused, to push through challenging times, and to have the courage to take on even more challenging work. Discipline begets work ethic, personal development, and adds structure to all other learning. You will be amazed at what a small, consistent things can do for a child's education. This principle is so vital that Charlotte Mason actually defines education as an atmosphere, a discipline, and a life. Next, curiosity. You probably saw that one coming, didn't you? My favorite value, but in talking about it today, I don't just mean the natural wonder of childhood. I mean valuing curiosity in your home. 
When children become curious about things, show them that curiosity is good and necessary part of learning by taking the time to follow the rabbit trails with them. Reward conversations that take a different turn than you expected by engaging fully and following their line of questioning. Don't just be curious when it comes up naturally, but encourage curiosity by asking them questions about things they may not have even considered. Delight in surprise of new information together and cultivate a culture of curiosity in your home. Number three, empathy. Now, this one is the most powerful thing you can do for your children. As my boy Dale Carnegie says, seek first to understand, then to be understood. Teach your children to withhold judgment. Seek to know and understand others. Show compassion and relate to those who are different than themselves. By doing this, you're not just creating a more loving and compassionate children, but opening the world to them through having the ability to see things from different perspectives and making connections that they would not have even seen if they didn't have their eyes and hearts open to new people and new ideas. Empathy is about more than just having an open heart. It's also about having an open mind. Number four, organization. Having an organized space makes for an organized mind. Now, different brains operate in different systems, and some more creative people may look like they live in chaos, but can tell you exactly where everything is on their piles and piles of paperwork in their desk. And I'm not talking about Insta-worthy schoolrooms here. I'm talking about being able to function in your workspace in a way that isn't distracting to you, and being able to find what you need when you need it so that you can focus on the work at hand. And only you can answer that question for yourself. Is it organized in a way that I know where things are and can focus? Or could I step it up a notch? And I'm not just talking about workspaces either. I'm talking about being able to organize and articulate your thoughts, being able to categorize and analyze information in a way that works for your brain. Some people like a holistic approach and view the world as a whole, working their way down to the details the way Maria Montessori does. Some people like to learn about details and build on them, working their way out like a classical model of education does. Either way has its pros and cons, but as long as you have a system in place that helps you know what to do with incoming information, you'll be able to retain what you learn better and make stronger interdisciplinary connections. The fifth is being teachable. One of my husband's biggest pet peeves is when he is teaching a child or an employee, or let's be honest, sometimes me, something new, and they keep saying, I know, I know, I know. Well, you don't know. And that's why I'm teaching you. (laughs) It's frustrating as a teacher because when the child knows it all and is overconfident in their understanding, they're not being open to new ideas. They're not focusing on what they can learn, but instead are focusing on their pride and boasting of the knowledge they've already obtained. By doing this, they're missing out on the opportunity to learn more about the subject from an expert or to finesse their skill set, to get context for their understanding or discover a new way of doing things. Being teachable not only helps a learning environment, but humility and ability to listen will change the way the child interacts with the world. It'll give them a flexibility, which is vital in the 21st century, and help them gain respect from their mentors as they listen, take in, and try what they're taught. Last but not least, taking initiative. My mother-in-law says, There is a time to learn and a time to do. Though I'm fairly sure in this family, it's always time to do and you'll pick it up as you go. But honestly, that's kind of the point. Boots on the ground, physical, real world experiences will often teach you more about a subject than any other more abstract way can. Often the only way to get these experiences is by stepping up and taking the initiative to start them. 
It's more than just work ethic, though that's important too, but it's about learning to see what needs to be done and doing it. It's about planning your workload and having a purpose and a direction for what you're doing. It's about leadership and being proactive in your own life. Future leaders of the world know when to take action. They see what needs to be done, make a plan, and execute that plan independently. So if we're working on developing these key values, the trick then is how to develop these character traits. In your family mission statement, vision statement, or motto, you defined your family's values that probably had a few similar traits mentioned above. Discipline, curiosity, empathy, organization, being teachable, and taking initiative are fairly traditional American values. There are many ways to instill character in your children. The first and most important is to have it yourself. You cannot draw from an empty well. You need to be actively modeling the character you want your children to have. They are way more likely to become what they see than they are to become what they're told. The second best thing you can do is to read to them about people of character. Biographies, Bible stories, fairy tales, and fables, anything that shows them what a good character looks like in action. One book I love is called The Book of Virtues by William J. Bennett. It gives powerful and engaging stories that illustrate different character traits to children in an approachable way without preaching to them. We can define the values all we want, but there's something very powerful in a story that makes the value come alive in the children's minds and helps them catch on to the magnitude and tiny nuances of each character trait. Now that we have given them two enormously powerful ways to learn what moral values are, as different situations come up in their lives that test their character, they're going to get hands-on learning. When you take the time to discuss the implications of these experiences, the value part of moral values becomes evident. From here, it's just building the habit. Charlotte Mason once said this about habit training, the habits of the child produce the character of the man. Every day, Every hour, the parents are either passively or actively forming these habits in their children, upon which more than anything else, future character and conduct depend. Charlotte Mason is big on habit training because if you think about it, habits are just a shortcut for character, like memorizing multiplication facts become a shortcut for math. Building habits is not short. It takes work. But once they're in place, it takes a lot of the trip-ups out of our days by making correct and efficient behavior automatic or our natural default. Some of the tips she gives to forming habits in our children are solid gold, y'all. I'm not even exaggerating. And maybe somewhat familiar to you if you have read Love and Logic parenting books. The first is to engage the child and make sure you have their attention before you begin. Get down on their level and make eye contact if you can. Set your phone down and respectfully listen to what they have to say when they're talking to you to model what good listening looks like. The second thing you want to do is to give instructions only once so that they build the habit of listening and you don't need to repeat yourself or nag or beg. Sometimes I say things like, go put your shoes on and I'll take you to the park just once so that they know that this applies to fun things as well as work. Number three, give only commands that you are willing to follow through on. Now, this is the ticket right here consistency is the key. And I'm going to say it again for dramatic emphasis. Consistency is the key. You absolutely must follow through on any of your threats and promises or they will not trust you. So choose your words wisely and don't tell them something you're not willing to follow through on. If you tell them to put their shoes away, they need to do it right away the first time you ask. If they don't, then you need to get up and enforce the instruction immediately. 
Yes, this is exhausting, but the kids will learn quickly to obey and start building the habit you are trying to instill until one day they just put their shoes away without you even asking. So yes, this is going to take one thing at a time, but as we head into summer and many of you take a break from academics, this is an excellent season to build some habits that will help your school days go smoother. From chores that keep an organized home to honesty, any moral value can be developed with consistency and time. Read them more books about great men and women who showed them what discipline or curiosity looks like. Take initiative on a yard project or put them in charge of making dessert for the family and tell them to take the lead. Teach them a new skill where they need to pay attention and be teachable. Show empathy when they make mistakes. Learning is life, and just because you're not doing academics doesn't mean that the kids can't be developing these key soft skills and moral grit that will help them in their education come fall. Honestly, I could go on and on about this, but I'm going to just leave it with this. Obviously, I am so not perfect, but the one habit my children have is bedtime. When I say, it's time for bed, the kids go straight to bed, and I have had friends over at bedtime who were just awed at how quickly they obeyed, and it wasn't until that moment that I realized how automatic it had become. This one habit saves me hours of exhausted frustration, and it helps the kids get more rest, which helps my days go smoother. We put the work in to build this habit as a family, and it's starting to pay off, as the character traits of listening to their parents and taking care of their bodies by getting enough rest are being developed by my kids. Another principle of Charlotte Mason education is that children are born persons, which means so many things that I would love to dive into, but for today, let's just say that they are human. They come with their own personalities, tendencies, preferences. They are imperfect, just like you and me, and need patience and grace and second chances. Learning self-control is one of the hardest things we do as humans. I mean, honestly, have you mastered it? I know I haven't. (laughs) And there are things we need to do to help this process along. But it's a process. We can't expect our kids to be perfect all the time. Remember that they are people, too, who have bad days, get sick, and feel sad. Often our children need correction to help them grow, but sometimes they just need a hug or some space to deal with the big emotions they have in their tiny bodies. I have been guilty of forgetting that my oldest is not perfect. He is always so on the ball, honestly, more than I am most of the time. He is so helpful and kind and thoughtful. There was one time when I asked him to do something, and he got very emotional, And I thought, why is he acting like that? When suddenly the thought came to me, oh my goodness, he is only four. And I had honestly forgotten that he was only four years old. And of course he's emotional this week. It has been full of big changes and he is overwhelmed. I need to stop what I'm doing right now and take care of this little boy's heart. Which is what character building is really all about. One of my favorite Christian proverbs says, Train up your child in the way they shall go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. As you build habits and character becomes a part of who they are. It's important as habit training is, building relationships is equally important. You become their haven and build trust so that they, when they have questions about the world, they come to you. When they need to feel a safe harbor, they come home instead of turning outward for validation. When they feel loved and secure, they will associate the things you teach them with that atmosphere and can focus on learning instead of what they lack. 
sometimes I get so caught up in checking my boxes, even the really fun field trip hands-on learning boxes, that I forget to take time for personal connection with each of my children on a given day. A week will go by and I'll think, when was the last good conversation I've had with my seven-year-old, who's outside building an incredible fort, by the way, while I work inside on my work? It's not that we don't have family love. I mean, he knows how much I love him. But does he feel seen by me? Has the only thing my four-year-old heard today been correction? I don't want to take for granted that they know that I love them or want to know them. Homeschooling provides an incredible opportunity for family relationships. But homeschooling is just an opportunity, an invitation. We need to remember to take the time to connect with our kids in a way that is meaningful to them. I don't remember where I heard it, but when I was deep in the parenting books with the young baby, I heard somewhere that you shouldn't compliment a child by saying things like, I love how obsessed you are with dinosaurs, but instead say, I notice how interested you are in dinosaurs right now. Would you like to talk about it? The first acknowledges your child and makes them feel love, but what happens when they no longer are obsessed with dinosaurs? What if dinosaurs are just a current interest or a passing thought? Will they feel compelled to keep being obsessed with dinosaurs because it's what they associate with your love? And obviously you can replace dinosaurs with ballet or soccer or any other interest kids can have when they're young. The second statement tells your child that you're paying attention to them, that you see them and notice their interest and are interested in them and sharing interest with them. That interests change and you're just interested to hear what they have to say and invites them into a conversation. At first, this totally stressed me out because I thought about the weight of my words and all the things that I said on a daily basis and how it was going to mess with my kid. <laughs> but then I finally took a step back and I said, you know what, I'm going to just take what I can from this and make more conscious choices to notice things about my kids more often and watch as it lights them up. This is also an effective tool for reinforcing positive values in your child. I noticed how patient you were waiting in line today. I noticed how you shared your candy with your cousin at the park. You're helping them to associate positive interactions with positive emotions and recognizing the good and the beautiful. You're setting the affections of their heart. Charlotte Mason also said, education is the ordering of affections. So what do we want first in our children's hearts? If they have the practical skills of education, they can learn anything. So what is it that we really want our children to know? This is a great topic for a journal entry this summer as you're at the lake or sipping lemonade on your back porch. What do you truly want your children to know at the end of their education? They may include the key skills of learning, but I would not be surprised if they also included many more of the topics from this episode. Discipline, not only in academics, but in all areas of their life. A genuine curiosity that leads to innovation. Empathy of the heart and mind that keeps them open to others so that they can live a life filled with love and understanding. Organization, so they can focus on what really matters instead of constantly cleaning up past mistakes. Being teachable, humble, flexible, and paying attention to things that others may miss. Taking initiative to boldly create the world they want to see. It is up to us to set these affections through habit training, setting an example of the life we want them to lead, and cultivating relationships in our home. Once we have set them up with the key tools of learning and planted values to direct their hearts and actions, we are ready to dive into the love of learning and set them up to become lifelong learners. So join me next time as we talk about cultivating that love of learning. 
And until then, as always, stay curious.